Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. This advert is FDA approved. Live on Joy 99.7 FM here in Accra and Kumasi on Love 99.5 FM. This is Newsnight. Tonight, fears about a looming power crisis gets bucking from Energy Minister as he reviews electricity production is being frustrated by the West African Gas Pipeline Company following the company's restrictions placed on gas transportation. So as we speak, this is a major challenge for us that from the West, we have gas there we cannot put in because West Africa Gas Pipeline Company is not allowing us, it's restricting us. And that's why sometimes we find that there are challenges with power uh, networks. We have details as the minority reviews a deep-seated challenge in the power sector resulting in a power generation deficit. As we speak now, from the beginning of the year up to now, then we have a power generation deficit, not only because of gas, but just simply that we do not have enough power. Also tonight, Parliament to take a second look at mining contract awarded to Electrochem as it explores viability of a renegotiation to allow locals to mine freely following the death of an indigent resulting from clashes between the company and some locals. Look at the whole leasehold agreement again and investigate and advise the house whether it is practicable to renegotiate and leave out some portion for the indigent. We'll get to hear the appeal of the Adai MP to CEO of Electrochem. They should give a space for some of the indigenous so that they can also work to bring peace. Madame can also work. The indigenous too to, to work. In business, Data Bank projects further reduction in inflation rate, end of the inflation rate, as it revises the number from 20 to 30. And in sports, captain Andrea Yu returns to the Black Star squad as under fire coach Chris Eaton names team for upcoming World Cup qualifiers against Madagascar and Comoros. And later, it is painful we cannot fight illegal mining as Santehene Otunfo say to the second laments as GJA Journalist of the Year Erastos Asaridonko presents award to him. The whole country's security no. machinery no. couldn't no. fight this. Yes, here we are. We are going to be able to fight this. Yes, here we are. We are going to be able to fight and continue to be an embodiment of media excellence in Ghana. Stambik Bank celebrates multimedia for winning big at the GJA Awards. I mean, if you look at the spread and the spectrum of the awards, the fact that multimedia was at the top and equally critically has become a very important pipeline for talent. We have that plus the latest from the provisional results released by WAEC on the BCE exams. That's more here on Newsnight. You want to join us with your thoughts and comment via WhatsApp is 055-111-997. We are live on myjoyonline.com, affiliates across Ghana's 16 regions, Facebook as well. You can leave your comments with the hashtag Newsnight. I am MFA Apau. And my name is Evans Mensah. And we start tonight with this fear of a looming power crisis, which is tonight being confirmed by the Energy Minister, Dr. Maltopoku Prempe, who says electricity production is being hindered by a restriction on gas transportation by the West Africa Gas Pipeline Project, WAPCO, which is significantly affecting generation. As you will recall, uh, that gas supply was cut recently due to unpaid debts owed the West Africa Gas Pipeline Company, plunging many parts of the country into darkness. The situation uh, was reversed after Ghana and WAPCO entered into an agreement about how the arrears will be cleared. However, the energy minister has now revealed that the situation is as a result of over-reliance on gas-only powered thermal plants, unlike previously that the generation was supported by liquid fuel as well. Uh, Dr. Opoku Prempe uh, therefore emphasized that the availability of power in the country will now be determined by the timeliness in the payment of gas supply by the West Africa Gas Pipeline Company. We are getting more problems because we are producing much and we're not wheeling at least efficiently across the country. Uh, our grid was very, very unstable. And because we are on a system side that one, when one side trips, you get a blackout in the country. Now we are facing a double Kwame. 
now we have put everybody on gas. As soon as one gas, the gas uh, uh, inlets shut, one, then all the power systems that we have, our generating systems, go off. So that is why if people see lights out when they go out now, it is more extensive than previously because previously the liquid fuels were in the various thermal plants scattered around, right? So if one thermal plant goes on, the other liquid fuel thermal plants will also be fired. But now we link all these plants with one pipeline supplying gas. Uh, it's not like the cylinders in our house. So it goes through the tubes and goes around. So once you have a major cut at one end, the devastation is horrendous. And we don't have enough gas for our generation as we speak. We don't have enough gas. Because we are so much dependent upon somebody providing you the gas and the gas wants you to pay, we are the beck and call of the West Africa gas pipeline. If you don't give them their money on time, they cut you. Or they restrict your ability to even put your own gas through the system. So as we speak, this is a major challenge for us that from the West, we have gas there we cannot put in because West Africa gas power system pipeline company is not allowing us, it's restricting us. And that's why sometimes we find that there are challenges with power uh, networks. Taking his turn at the Meet the Press series, Dr. Poku Prempe adds that despite these challenges, the NPP government has been able to manage the power situation in the country than previously. The duration and frequency of power outages are very, very minimal. Like I said, it is now in Sudetokra. Somebody engaged me two weeks ago because the power was out for 45 minutes in the person's house. As soon as it was out, the person called, Hey, Napoleon Kania. But this was the person who lost out of her business because some, under some previous government, for four years, he couldn't get electricity to do that. He couldn't pay for fuel for generation. Sometimes you wish, you wish that we could leave that period for one month and come into this period so that people won't talk again. But I cannot wish that for Ghanaians. We want the lights to be on when you want it, when you switch prayer, it comes. When you switch off, it goes. But we want people to be more considerate in using energy efficient devices so that we don't waste uh, a problem. So that's the energy minister there, Samuel Kujobris, heads our energy desk and joins me in the studio with more on this. The minister admits we just simply do not have enough gas to power plants. Mm. What's our capacity in that area right now? We Our capacity is 350 million standard cubic feet of, of gas a day. And that we have. We produce from the West uh, by two sources. We have the one from Ghana Gas and ENI. Those are produced in the Atwabu area and they are transported by pipelines to the Boise area. And then WAPCO gives us something we call the reverse flow. So we are able to transport some to the thermal enclave for the power plants there to then use. It is that one that we have a problem because we, uh, we are not able to settle WAPCO. WAPCO decides to then block it. So that's the challenge now. Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Do we still owe WAPCO as a country? You know, recently when this thing came up, we entered into an agreement with them. But I think that they are not happy with some terms that, uh, uh, you know, us honoring the terms. So I, I, we understand that yesterday and today, they have cut off some 15 million scarf of gas from, from the Takradi area. So it presupposes that, yes, indeed, we still owe them. And that's why they've restri restricted gas flow from their uh, pipelines. Well, let's bring in um, a member of the Mindset Energy Committee in Parliament, Edward Bauer, um, on this particular development. Now it's getting some backing, that looming power crisis that we've all feared, getting backing from the Energy Minister today as he addressed uh, the media. Well, from where you sit, I know that um, you get to get an eye, the best eye view of all that happens in terms of the committee. What exactly has been the briefing that you have in terms of the situation that we are faced with? Yeah, thank you very much, Emifa. Uh, let me first say to that. Um, when I when I heard the minister talk about uh, the the fear of we not getting enough gas, particularly at the Tema area, because if we do not pay uh, uh, Wapo, they they just simply cut us off. Look, Emifa, when you go and pay for your electricity bill. Uh, what they factor into it is what we call fuel, the fuel, the fuel component. And the fuel component is made up of the commodity itself, which is, for example, the gas and the transportation. So you pay for it. So the question then is that how come that after I have paid my bills 
and then ECG has collected its power, uh, what do you call it, the, the money. How come that we are unable to pay, uh, what do you call it, WAKU? Indeed, you will, you will recall that, uh, and the minister alluded to it, you will recall that when uh, WAKU had the challenge, sorry, ECG had the challenge of paying, GNPC actually wrote to the minister three different times, telling them that, look, we were owing an amount of money, which was roughly around 15, or 15 to 17 million. But what WAPO was just asking us that we should do the minimal payment of the $8.31 million, which I don't know as to now as to whether they have paid or maybe they made an arrangement and they, they have not fulfilled it. And that's why he's preempting that. That's the first point. Two, the challenge actually goes beyond just the transportation of the guns from the West to the East. From the beginning of this year, and mark my words, and I'm saying this on authority, from the beginning of this year, up to, uh, what do you call it, uh, Monday at 8.55, I'm just giving you, that's the period I am using, the total amount of electricity, of the power that we have in terms of available capacity, was 3,407. And then, at peak, we actually, the demand peak, the peak demand is, 3,561 megawatts. So it means that since the beginning of the year, all the lights off you have been seeing, you call ECG and they tell you that, oh, it is a localized problem. It is not true. We have deficiency in generation. So actually, if a Greco was transparent, if the government was transparent, they should have been giving us, uh, what do you call it, a, a shadow. So I know that in my area, if I am going to have lights off, I prepare for it. But because of the fact that for many years they have been thinking this propaganda that would have not kept their lives off, would not done this, they are unable to deal with it. That's the first point. The second point is that the indebtedness or maybe the inability to pay what they call it, the, the power and the value chain of electricity generation is not only limited to a transportation of gas. Indeed, the power that has been bought and then sold and then we have consumed we are unable to pay them back. From the minister's own statement that he brought to Parliament, I'm talking about the Minister of Finance, after 2020, the amount of money that we needed to pay, the value chain, was, in terms of debt, was about $12.32 billion. I'm going to see this. If, and I, and if I, you recall that you engaged the Chamber of, uh, what do you call it, uh, independent power producers. At the time that we're talking with them, it was some, somewhere around $1.5 billion. As we speak now, it has increased to over $2 billion. How on earth can you tell me that you are managing a sector where at the time that you assumed, uh, what do you call it, you took over the power of this country? In fact, from the Minister of Energy himself, Boache Jaco, he said the total indebtedness of the whole sector of energy, and that includes power and then petroleum was 2.4 billion. We had money that was set aside in terms of the SLA to, to retard that. And today, as we speak, November 2023, just indebtedness to only IPPs is more than the total indebtedness we had in the energy sector when you took over power. And that is why I am making the point that this, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, the managers of the energy sector, including the Minister of Energy, has not been candid and today when he was addressing the press, he actually was not candid with them. But this deficiency in generation you talk about, at least we've heard the minister admit to the transportation of gas, which is really uh, the issue for him, he says. But one wonders how we got here, how we allowed WAPCO now to fully regulate gas supply for power generation in the country. Two things that I'm going to talk to you. First and foremost, I think the minister is also not telling the truth. All the VRA plants, thermal plants, are dual fuel. So it is never the case that the, uh, we have put all our plants in uh, what they call it, using, using gas. If you go to the Pong thermal power plant, which is in the thermal enclave, it is a, in fact, that one is a triple fuel. It can use diesel, it can use crude, and it can use gas. And depending on the situation, VRA is almost able to switch. All the thermal plants that are operated by VRA are always either dual or triple fuel uh, sources. So it is not true that we have put all our gas, our plants there, and therefore, on the basis of that, if we don't have gas, we don't get it. So that's the first point. The second point, 
you are asking as to how we we got here in terms of uh, uh, what do you call it uh, being being in a way held hostage by Wapu. As Wapu, the reverse flow of Wapu was only a temporal measure. Indeed, as part of Ghana Gas projects and the projects that were handed over to government, Ghana Gas was supposed to, and listen to me, was supposed to put up a construction of a pipeline between Kema and then Abuade. Wapu's own was supposed to be a redundancy. That means it was supposed to be uh, uh, a spinning reserve. Assuming that our dedicated pipeline our dedicated pipeline is not working, then we can rely on WAPU. And how are we going to fund it? In the ENI project, where ENI and Ghana had a project, the gas project, the initial price in ENI gave for the, pro, uh, what, the cost of the project was indicative. After the completion of that particular project, there was an audit of it. There were savings we made in millions of dollars that was supposed to be used in funding the, what do you call it, the, the dedicated line from Takrade to Abuaze. As we speak, we do not know how that money was spent. We do not, and we do not have a line, and now we are just relying on WAPCO. On and WAPCO has this, remember that WAPCO is a, has shareholders, and they will not be transporting gas when you don't pay them. So if you don't pay them, they will shut their pipeline. That is the reason why we are in this problem. Well, we'll leave it here for now. I'm sure that there are certain actions in that um, at the committee level you're hoping to take because we've been hearing from the minister saying that in spite of all these challenges, um, government has managed to, um, you know, manage power better than um, the NDC previously. But Nana Mwesi, uh, the fourth, is director of uh, the Institute for Energy Security, also joins us for a brief take on this uh, particular situation, knowing what um, the minister admits to today. Really, from where you sit, what's your view on all this? Good evening to you, my friends. You are listening. Um, we listened to the minister, and uh, we could see a situation of desperateness. Um, and it's basically trying to say that we have no other way out until WAPCO decides to open their lines fully for gas supply to move from Western Corridor to the Eastern Corridor. Um, it's quite frustrating because, uh, like my other colleague on the other line said, we pay for the gas that we use or the fuel that we use, both in terms of supply and for transportation. And so the ordinary consumer has fulfilled this part of the bargain, paid to the ECG and Netco. All that we expect is that the players within the value chain should be paid so that we can have uh, adequate and uh, consistent supply of power to our homes and businesses. MFA, we, when you want to be assured of this um, consistent and adequate, adequate power supply, you want to look about three things. First, you want to be sure that you have enough capacity to meet your peak demand. Then, of course, you have plant um, availability to also run when we need to uh, dispatch them. Then the next is to ensure that you have adequate supply of the fuel for the plant. Unfortunately, we have been so over-reliant on natural gas since we started uh, producing one domestically. Ghana used to be using the light crude oil, the diesel, and the others, including HFO. Today, all that we are using is natural gas and hydro. We don't have any backup of the country. But we're thinking that even though we have natural gas in the abundant supply, we can still reserve some liquid fuels so that in case there's any disruption, by whatever means or reason, whether it's WAPCO or whether it's a challenge from GNI or Ghana gas, we have some liquid fuel to fall on. Today, we don't have any fuel stock available uh, when we lose uh, natural gas. The next is that um, while we are waiting to have a reverse flow from the Western Corridor to the Eastern Corridor, being Sema, to also, uh, you know, produce power, you realize that in the Western Corridor, many of the plants are out. And Mary is down, being moved to Kumasi, so we have lost about 250 megawatts from that end 
T3 has not been working for the past seven years or eight, about 132 megawatts. That is also lost. And unfortunately, uh, since September, October this year, T1 of capacity of 330 megawatts is also going through southern maintenance. That's why we are seeing what we are seeing. We only have to thank God for uh, the water level in our coastal and we, because basically the country is being sustained and, uh, you know, carried along by hydro. Our thermal capacity availability is, is almost, uh, you know, low. And so that's the situation we find ourselves. If we have to get out of this wood, the first thing that we need to do is to ensure that we pay WAPCO. Why would you want to get somebody uh, transport your fuel from one end to the other, but choose not to pay them? Pay them, and they'll open their valves. Okay. You realize that ECG, when we don't pay them, ECGs come to our homes and disconnect us. And the others are also learning the same. The IPPs are threatening cutting power or not, uh, you know, producing. And WAPCO is following sync. So ECG and government must ensure that everybody within the value chain is due. Then we'll have power. Okay. We are grateful. Uh, Director of the Institute for Energy Security, Nana Amwesi there. Uh, what are your views on this? You can also share them it's via WhatsApp, 055 Another thing about what the minister was saying there, each time there has been a challenge in the energy sector, ministers uh, tend to hesitate in telling us that they have a problem. Uh, but you hear him say, well, we don't have enough. WAPCO is holding us around some almost. It, it's, 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 it, it tells you it tells that this is pretty real. Uh, let's hear from you on that uh, because doing so is one thing that affects almost everybody. It's still live here on Newsnight. It's on Joy 99.7 FM. Now, lawyers for Asinov MP, uh, James Atchikwesinger uh, tonight taking on the High Court judge overseeing his criminal trial accusing him of unfairness and arbitrary conduct. Now, the MP is facing charges of alleged perjury and forgery. The MP is currently in Canada for emergency health care. His lawyers claim, despite his illness, the judge has been unjust, ordering the continuation of the trial. But the court says the sin of MP was offered all avenues to participate in the court proceedings virtually. Well, my colleague, Kodonyako, uh, head of the legal desk, was in court for us and joins us live on the line with more. And so lawyers for the MP say he's not well and he's in Canada. Did they take steps to give the court adequate notice? Well, so uh, Evans, the lawyers for Mr. Quisin, led by Chachi Chikata, say the judge was acting in an arbitrary manner and not being fair to them at all. In fact, he revealed in court that he has not MP has an emergency medical issue and had to be flown to Canada to receive attention. Something they say they have adverted the court's attention on, but they say despite all the notices to the court, the judge was, uh, still went ahead to order for the continuation of the trial. In fact, Mr. Sajjigata was ordered to cross-examine the prosecution witness. Abad Jamal poured out their frustration and their unhappiness when he addressed the media after the proceeding. Uh, today is a very sad day for us as Ghanaians and of course the legal system of Ghana. You have a judge insisting, despite clear evidence of medical report showing that the person is undergoing a test, medical test, and then the judge insists that despite that, um, I would disregard that and insist that you go ahead with the case without him. Even though we went ahead because we, would, we didn't want to disrespect the court, but the unfairness to insist on a, 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 a such an important case. We are doing cross-examination. And you said that you are serving the process today, go ahead. And that is the this, this, this side of it. Especially when there is evidence of medical condition. We don't necessarily say that a person, maybe he is sick on a wheelchair before you say he is sick. All of us walking here, do we know what is with us here? But what we want to place on record is that the cause had been unfair today. We have not been dealt with and given the right to exercise our uh, 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 legal rights as it's supposed to be. Because today, you even saw that, oh, arrangement has been made for the uh, uh, um, uh, accused person to be in court. How can you say? The question is, by the legal practice, how can you serve a process on somebody today in the courtroom and say, insist that you must go on? 
Kojo, what about state prosecutors? What have they said about this? State prosecutors led by Deputy Attorney General Alfred Siayabua says it's a ploy to delay the case because the prosecution witness has been in the dock for well over a year and there must be finality to the matter. He says the AG will use all legal means and also stay within the confines of the law in the prosecution of the matter. They knew about the hearing and that's the reason why they're even in court today. You also encourage I said that the last time that we came, we met the judge in Chambers. They said he was undergoing a medical test. It's different from saying that he was undergoing a medical, something, something relating to his health. Medical test. We agreed. We took an adjournment. We, we've been in court today. And what's the, what's the story? That he's now, I will not say he's seriously, but he's sick. But we are not told. There's no evidence to that effect. The court then said, we have to go on with the matter because our witness had been in the box since July 2022. One year, five months or four months, one witness in the witness box for one year, four months. And we think that we should still countenance such a practice. No. If they won't take it up on the pillars to say maybe they think that we are ready for them. As I say, we come to court to speak and talk law and nothing else. If they take any legal point, we'll be ready to confront them head on. I agree with him. In fact, the witness was forthright. He stood a test of cross-examination, and I don't think his credibility has been dented in any way. This matter is being fought principally because we claim, or we have the humble view that the accused person has committed a criminal offense. Nothing more, nothing less. It's not about he belonging to party A or party B. It's first and foremost a Ghanaian. Before he became a, a full-blooded, before he became a, 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 a dual citizen, he was a full-blooded Ghanaian. So we are treating, we are, we are just dealing with him as if he, someone has committed something wrongful. Nothing more, nothing, nothing. Uh, let's bring in Baba Jamal. He is the NDC Deputy Director uh, of Legal Affairs. He joins us on the line right now. Mr. Jamal, thanks for your time here on Newsnight. Yes, thank you. Your client, was he not offered an opportunity to join virtually? What we are saying is that, let me make it clear. I heard the Deputy Attorney General saying that their client has been in the docket for one year or so. It is their, that witness who opted to petition the CID and brought us to court. So his presence in the dock, as long as it does not go against any rule or law, I think that that cannot be used as a reason to justify why we should be compelled to go on with our case even without our our accused person. It is, I mean, instructive to note that the last time that we met with the uh, judge in chambers, and we don't want to discuss the case proper, but we are looking at the conduct of the case. In chambers, we were able to show evidence of our accused, our the accused person, go under going some medical tests. I just heard the deputy AG say there is no evidence to that effect. But but we we provided that evidence in chambers, and he has attested to it. You they mean the judge, the judge of the prosecution? Say, no, he is saying that. We, pro we said he is undergoing tests. We didn't say he is undergoing maybe medical treatment or something. But when we say somebody is undergoing medical tests, there is a medical condition. That's why he's undergoing the test. And you show this to the judge? Yes. We have given that evidence to the judge. And the judge In accepted fact, it? we even decided because it is at our request that we, we sat in chambers because of the medical condition involved. That's why we requested the court to sit in chambers, so that we can show whatever evidence that we have. To what did the judge there. tell you when you showed the judge? Oh, of the course, when we, we, we gave it to him, that's why we took an, another adjournment. But the problem here is that an adjournment was taken, the case was fixed at 12 o'clock, we were in court around 11.30, only to be told that the court will not be sitting, and that an attorney, state attorney, has come to take a different date. We tried to reach the state attorney. We couldn't get the person. And we wrote officially to the registrar telling him that the 3rd October, the 3rd November they have picked the case will not be available. And we proposed a date. And then 
On, we didn't receive any response to our letter, only to be told that on the 3rd November, the court sat and that we were not present. So we wrote to the court for uh, um, the state uh, uh, proceeding for that day. The proceedings never came until we were served today in court in the presence of all the, the, the audience in court. We were served in, in court. So if we are served with the proceedings today, do you think it's fair for us to be compelled to continue with the trial, even though we have just been served with the process that we need to, 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 to look at? So, so, so what is the issue? Is, is, the it, is, it, is it the late service or your client being sick? That's what I'm saying. That, no, as for our client being sick, we have made it clear that he is in Canada undergoing some medical tests. So that is not on the table. What we are saying is that how can you serve us with the process this morning in court and say that you should continue to, to go on the, with the trial when the process has just been served? Because by the, the rule of uh, 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 rules of pra practice, you don't serve a person a document today, today, and ask him to proceed with it, unless the person is prepared to waive his own uh, uh, right to serve it. Mm. On the subject of a client, though, um, from what the briefing we, we got from court, the judge gave an opportunity for him to join virtually. True or false? Do you think that it is all medical condition that you can you can be talking on uh, on 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 Zoom or whatever? But you say he was he was he was just simply doing tests. You are you are putting say medical text is simply text. Is that what we want to refer to it? Okay, let me remove we it simply. We are saying he, that he was, he was undergoing tests. That he was sick. We said it in court today that he was sick and he needs to run some tests. Because when you go to court, when you go to a hospital and you are sick, could you think the doctor will attend to you without running some medical tests? The doctor cannot even uh, uh, treat you without running some tests to know what, why you are sick or something. You understand? So we made it clear that he was undergoing some tests. And today we made it clear to the dad that our client is not well. So it is important for us to note that the client is not well, and that is why he's in Canada receiving some medical attention and undergoing those tests. You but you said that because we said it is a test. So when once it's a test, then that it is not a good enough reason. I I think that it is not. I, I think I beg to differ on this. And you believe the judge has been unfair. What do you plan to do about this? Oh, we, we, we will take the necessary action where necessary. We are here to consult with our, our other uh, legal team. We will take the necessary action. But let me place it on record that in our view, the judge or the court today was not fair to us when he compelled us to go on, even when the court itself served us with the process that very morning day and said i go ahead with the trial i think that it is not done in, in did you did you, did you say this to the judge of course we said it judge. plainly and we also protested and also uh, mr tachukota made it clear that her arbitrariness is, is staggering it's not it's not it's not fair to us i mean all these things were said and it is on record it's not as if the way always insisted that whatever we say is put on record so they are all on record and the lead counsel, which is the judge, Yukata, made all this thing clear and, and, and told the judge in the face that what she is doing is not, is not, is not fair. I think these are all things that your, your reporters were there and they, they, they heard it. Thank you. Baba Jama is the Deputy Director of Legal Affairs for the NDC. Still ahead here on Newsnight. It is painful. We cannot fight illegal mining. As Santeheni Otunfo Osaito to the second laments as GJA Journalist of the Year, Erastus Asari Donko, presents his award to him. The whole country's security no, machinery no, couldn't fight this. We have details of that. Plus, continue to be an embodiment of media excellence in Ghana. And this is the Stambik Bank celebrating multimedia for winning big at the GJA Awards. That's all after George has done with business.
Hello, George. Hi, Evans. And uh, coming up in business, Data Bank projects further reduction in inflation rate as it revises its end of year target from 20 to 30 percent. And financial economist Professor Lord Benson describes government plan to let the 2024 budget fall in line with the IMF program as prudent, but one of some possible review in taxes in next year's budget. The business news on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN business who welcome to the new world of business centers tanks and pepsident charcoal and hebel Hey, ma, the way you're always getting alerts these days, I won't be surprised to hear that you have gotten a Momo for Business account by my next visit home. Oh, I'm already on Momo for Business, so... Ah, since when? Since, since. <laughs> now, it's easy to apply for a merchant sim. All you need is a registered MTN number, your business certificate, your Ghana card, and you are good to go. Sir. You think you are the only one who knows what's up, eh? Look, I just dialed star 505 one hash selected register and the region i was requesting the sim from and waited for my sms with my reference number you can even go online at momomerchantapplication.mtn.com.gh and complete the details for an even better experience hey grandma momo <laughs> sign up for momo for business the easy and simple way just visit momomerchantapplication.mtn.com.gh or dial star 5051 hash and follow the prompts and be on your way to owning a Momo business account today for free. MTN. Son, we are so proud of you for setting up this hospital. I really love those hospital beds and waiting chairs. By the way, did you import them? No, Dad, I didn't. I actually got them from Kindle Books and Stationery right here in Ghana. Wow. We also bought our office supplies, safes, executive desks and chairs from Kingdom, and they gave us expert advice on how to set up our office. Guys, that makes three of us. I also got our sofa and bedroom sets, plus our dining hall furniture for our new home from Kingdom. Wow, Mom, that makes four of us. I usually get my stationery items from Kingdom. And my teacher also mentioned that our classroom furniture was provided by Kingdom. So there you have it. Whenever you're thinking about setting up an office or acquiring furniture for your home, etc., Kingdom Books and Stationery should be your first point of call. With over 40 years' experience in the industry, we stock and supply a wide variety of globally sourced office and home furniture, stationery, and equipment. Visit our head office, Osu Akwaje, or our office near the Osu Stadium. We're also in Tema Community 1, opposite Olam SHF, Kumase K and USD campus, UCC. Cape Coast and now at the Marina Mall Airport City or call us 0302 764209 Syntex Tank was first to introduce white inner layer tanks in Ghana and now introduces the customer specs order which will let you order any color and size you want. Syntex Tanks gives you the biggest warranty of 7 years which no other tank gives you. So whatever your water consumption, size of project or demand, choose Syntex Tank. Syntex Tank, stress-free. Syntex Tank, reliable. Syntex Tank, maximum guarantee. Call 0244-335-168. Kumasi 0505-555-666. Or visit SyntexGH.com. Syntex Tank. A year strong, a year tough. For over 10 years, Old Mutual has been touching lives in Ghana. Whether you're a trader or a student, an entrepreneur or an employer, or nearing your retirement, we have the right financial solutions tailored just for you. Contact Old Mutual on 030-7000-600 or visit our website on oldmutual.com.gh to learn more. And let's realize your financial freedom together. 10 years of greatness, here for a lifetime. Old Mutual, do great things every day. 
Keep buying your luckiest ticket with Star 712 Hash as an individual, a group, an association, or even a community and stand a chance of winning in the community draw or the ultimate draw on 23rd of December. Be the luckiest on Star 712 Hash and win millions. Ticket sale starts on October 4th, 2023 and draw date is on 23rd December, 2023. Play responsibly, not for persons under 18 years. This promotion is regulated by the NLA on the Caritas platform. Win millions on Star 712 Hash. Teachers, bankers, the luckiest. You could be the luckiest. You hey, welcome back to Business on Newsnight. Now, inflation rate will continue to trend downwards in the coming months. Now, that's the view of Data Bank Research in this latest report on the economy. There is more in this report. Data Bank, in its report, is now expecting the end of year inflation rate to hit 30% from its original forecast of 22%. Data Bank maintained that the revision has been influenced by the recent hikes in utility tariffs and hikes in prices of petroleum products. The finance group in this report maintained that these developments are a major setback for the inflation rate slowing down. However, Data Bank maintained that it is still optimistic about the fact that the inflation rate will be going down in the coming months. If this projection by Data Bank is anything to go by, just like what other economists have said, then it's likely that the rate of increase of prices of some food items could be slowing in the coming months. Governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ness Addison, has projected that he expects inflation rate to end the year at around 30%, similar to what the IMF has projected in its revised data on the Ghanaian economy. Some analysts have also argued that if the country is able to secure the second tranche of funds from the International Monetary Fund before the end of this year, that might also contribute to inflation rate coming down. If these projections come to pass, it may go a long way to help reduce the cost of credit in the country. And that is a business tax report. Economist Ishmael Yamsen is making a strong case for government to move away from the fiscal numbers by ensuring that growth impacts on the livelihood of Ghanaians. It follows government claims that it has now turned around the economy with the fiscal data showing signs of strong recovery. But speaking on PM Express with Evans Mensa, Dr. Yamsen maintained that a lot still needs to be done to turn things around. But I just would like you, um, I mean, you say that we are in a dire situation. Let me put it that way. The figures don't matter to me because they are statistical figures. Mm. What will matter to me is growth that will come with jobs. Because what, what is the benefit to anybody if only the statistics show that you are growing? After all, we were growing at... 5.6, 5.0, and the government sees it all the time. And yet, by just a stroke of a pen, that growth disappeared. Mm. So we hadn't built any resilience into our economy. And that is why, with any little disruption, Ghana falls apart. And what we should be thinking about is not the figures, because figures only tell a global story. But look at the underlying factors. Dr. Yamsen maintained that the IMF program might not be enough to try and turn things around. Let's still stay on the economic-related issues because financial economist Professor Lord Mensah has described government's plan to ensure that the 2024 budget is in line with the IMF program as prudent. If we report reported that the 2024 budget to be presented next Wednesday will be consistent with the fiscal framework under the fund program. Professor Mensah says we might have to brace ourselves for some tax reviews. 
Um, from where I sit, yes, I expect government to, I mean, as part of the fiscal responsibility, you know, structures that we've adapted with the IMF, to introduce some taxes on, um, to increase, I mean, revenue here and there. Because, you know, looking at the economic structure as we speak now, government cannot invest anymore into informal, you know, revenue generation and, uh, you know, uh, as we speak. So, um, I can tell you that, yes, we need a budget that is going to strike a balance between election year spending and then fiscal responsibility, you know, as required by the IMF. Financial economist Professor Lord Mensah. Stakeholders in the energy space are expressing worry over the energy transition agenda without being considered in respect to operating the Africa region. Now, this is due to the ongoing discussions to move many of the Western economies that shy away from exploring oil and gas on the continent as a result of the shift. The publisher of the offshore Africa, Gilbert de Costa, hinted that there might be many challenges that might be solved with the proceeds from oil and gas before moving from the space. Steps have been taken to ensure that the country or the, the world generally is compliant with the trend towards net zero. But I think in Africa we, we have a, a major challenge. We have an energy poverty. We have a lot of challenges. And you know, oil and gas, for example, represents a, a good way for uh, the economies to pick up. I mean, we have uh, oil and gas resources in Africa. We cannot just ignore that. Gilbert de Costa as the publisher for the Offshore Africa uh, magazine, speaking to Joy Business at the Offshore Energy Summit here in Accra. Now, MFA, do you want to build, do you want to buy, or do you want to rent when it comes to home ownership? Mm, we're getting ready. So, what, do, do you want to build, do you want to buy, or do you want to rent? I want to build. Well, Interesting. We'll be getting more answers on PM Express Business Edition tonight as we engage the Executive Director of Elegant Homes and also the Head of Advantage Banking at EcoBank to look at the various options. And MFA, this is up or leading up to our Habitat Fair. When you look at all these challenges in the home industry, the financing option and what are the options available to you, it's live on Joe News at 9 p.m. and also on all our social media platforms here at join you so evans i'm also trying to find out from you mm -hmm. do you want to build do you want to buy or do you want to rent oh i mean I <laughs> cash man <laughs> I, I think definitely building for yourself is the way to go mm. uh, it's, it's and the come david home Camp David home. home. Yeah, yours, yours, you know. Yeah. I don't have a Camp David home. Okay. I have a forest apartment. Okay. okay. I live in the forest in, okay. in the midst of the trees. I have okay. a tree home. A caravan area, right? No, I, I just live in the forest. Okay. Uh, MFR Power lives in the city, in the heart of the city. Yeah. Only rich people live in the forest. Yes, no, caravan area. Yeah. Rich people live in the forest? Where? <laughs> Where in the world? We'll show you. The kind of people who live in the forest are, you know, people who can afford a brick and mortar home. You're explaining too much. Don't worry. You're explaining too much. <laughs> Let's do some of your messages. Are you sure you can read your, your spots? There you are. Some of your messages that you sent in. Nana Spintech says, Why on earth is this health minister still at post after his performance during COVID-19? If you were in England, he would have been long gone. Charles in Legon says, The energy minister should be thankful that visionary leaders build the Boise Thermal Plant and the Atobo Gas Plants. Too much talk cannot buy a horse. Hmm. This one from Victor says it's surprising that the minister is saying that Wapko is not allowing them to transport gas from Atuabo to Tema. Is the government honoring the contract they signed with Wapko? A few questions he's asking. And you have Musa Abatoy in Asawasi says, I mean, for the whole energy sector has been poorly managed by this government. The noise they made in opposition has proven to be a mere propaganda and sloganeering. Why was Bwachi uh, Jaco made to resign? It's because of needless decisions and corruption in related issues. Nana Spintex um, sends another one, but um, we have this one also. Why is Napo trying to make it look like Wapco is frustrating Ghana when the reality is simply that Ghana continues to fail to meet its payment obligations, thereby rather Ghana frustrating Wapco? Guy Fox in Tema sends that one in. We've seen a number of them um, still pouring in, uh, but we'll go through them um, subsequently. Let's do sports now. Chris Hilton staying? Well, going. it's uncertain. His future as head coach. Oh, 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 o
while we wait to see whether he's going to stay or he's going to go. He has named a 25-man squad for the you know, opening games of the 2026 World Cup qualifiers. Now, Andrea Yu, Abdul Mumin and Majida Shimero, as well as Kamal Din Suleiman, are among the notable returnees in the squad named by the head coach. Now, Andrea Yu, who is without a club, is back in the national team after being left out for the October games against Mexico and the United States of America. Now, the skipper has not been active in club football after being released by Nottingham Forest at the end of the 2022-23 season. Now, Abdul Mumin, on the other hand, has been called up for the first time under Hutton following his recent performances for Rayo Vallecano in the Spanish La Liga. Now, the 25-year-old has been part of previous Black Star squads under Otoado in the past before the appointment of Hutton. And Ashimero, having returned from injury, also makes a return to the team. Well, Chris Eaton has been also speaking about the Black Stars' chances in next year's AFCON and as to whether he's going to be the coach for the team at the AFCON. We wait to see, but that's what he has to say. I think when you're when you're a coach, you um, you you have to accept that there's no point in competing at any level if you can't compete well. Yeah. You know, I I think we have a, a talented team. There are always you know ups and downs, good performances, performances not. Uh, we we will have to we will have to play at our best to win it. To, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Because I think what we what we do have in this in this tournament, and for for uh, us that have watched it for years, but there are there are those that are experts at it. That's uh, Chris Eaton there. Well, MFA, just before I go, I'm not sure you've been following the stories about Luis Diaz, a Colombian footballer playing for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. The father has been released by some left-wing guerrillas who kidnapped him 13 days ago. And that's according to the police in Colombia. And did he have to pay Well, it's not, it's, it was not disclosed, but it appears to have paid something because he once indicated that um, he has honoured all the obligations. So he was beckoning on them to release his father and they have indeed released him. We understand he's with the military now and he's going to undergo some medical test before he will be finally reunited with the family. Liverpool boss Jurgen Klopp spoke and he says the player is extremely happy for the return of his father. That's it for sports. This is brought to you by Pepsi and Herbo and Chaco. Thank you very much, Ms. Bao. Let's head to Parliament quickly and Parliament's Lansen Forestry um, Committee and then also the Mines and Energy Committee have been tasked to look into the salt mining contracts awarded to Electrochem Ghana Limited and advise the House on the possibility of allowing the local people mine alongside the company. Well, we know about that shooting incident in Sege uh, that left one person dead and several others injured. The incident, we know, um, reportedly rooted in a feud between Electrochem Ghana Limited and residents of Ada. MP for Segei Christian Kolete Otute, who delivered a statement on the floor about the incident, asked Parliament to investigate the disturbance and push to allow the indigents of Ada to benefit uh, from the natural resource in their land. Well, the first Deputy Speaker of Parliament, Joseph Osewusu, directed two committees of the House to look into that particular contract. And I think the more critical issue is what is being raised by the honourable member for Adan. No, no, no. The natural resource is supposed to be for the state. But here are indigents living by this natural resource, feeding on it. Yes, it belongs to the state, but the state says I'm giving it to somebody else without regards to these other indigents. That's why I've been looking at the constitution, how we can look at how direct the Minister for Interior to brief the House about the incident, how violence came to be perpetrated in that, who shot into the crowd, whether the police or the security of the private company. The Minister of Interior should brief the House on that one. After that brief, if there's a need for the Committee of Defense and Interior to look further, we will give the appropriate directions. But I suggest that, I don't know whether it lands in natural resource and mines and energy, to look at the whole resource agreement again and investigate and advise the House. That's the first Deputy Speaker of Parliament, Joe Say Wusu. 
Let's go to the Ashanti regional capital where the Ashanti Hene Otunfo Osetu II is tonight very unhappy because of the lack of progress in the fight against illegal mining. As you know, it's called Galamse, citing persistent threats to life and political maligning of persons advocating against the menace. Ashanti Hene is saddened at the intensified activities of illegal miners. And when and where did he say this? When Erastus Asari Donko. GGA journalist of the year, Peter Ketsi, call on him. Galamse has destroyed all our lands. This is influencing majority of emerging diseases in babies from long exposure to mercury in our water bodies. Yet, complaints do not get any attention. It's hurtful. I couldn't watch Erastus's documentary. I was overwhelmed with sadness. We have sold arable cocoa lands for illegal activities. The new trend is gunmen threats on people who try to access these illegal sites. The whole country's security machinery couldn't fight this. Well, today also, uh, we also had a, a Ketsi call paid on us this time mm -hmm. uh, by Stam Big Bang. They came to celebrate the team for winning all those awards, eight of them in total. Uh, you can listen to Maokwa Fajinu, who's executive head of brand and marketing at Stam Big Bang, uh, when they visited us today. We came here to celebrate with multimedia. Decades of excellence is what multimedia has come to embody. And as one of our very most um, important partners, we had to be here to appreciate and to applaud what multimedia has done. I mean, if you look at the spread and the spectrum of the awards, the fact that multimedia was at the top and equally critically has become a very important pipeline for talent is one that the nation needs to celebrate. Uh, as a brand, we say that Ghana is our home driver growth, and one of the most critical growth partners is the media. And to that extent, if you have an institution like multimedia playing the role so cardinal to the development of this country in such an impressive manner, it's only primary, and it becomes an imperative for us to applaud, acknowledge, and encourage multimedia. <laughs> I, I want to say a big thank you to Stambik because they made sure today I had I had lunch, proper lunch. You know, I struggle to eat nowadays. Today you didn't go back. No, I didn't even go back. <laughs> but the food was good. Well, it was it was really good. Stambik style. Charlie, mm, I haven't good. had good food. But I, I was like I was that. sad for you because you you didn't make most of that you know free lunch. <laughs> You had salad and herbs and weeds and you know chicken. We're and, eating and healthy. Yeah, We're well, eating healthy. Anyway, I mean, healthy. I, I had my full. Well, <laughs> Erastus will be on personality profile shortly. I can't wait for that. But before we go, uh, the Fiyasia Kuyem Traditional Council and the police have joined forces in search for the persons believed to have felled the historic color tree planted by Asante's revered chief priest Okonfuanoche. The tree planted centuries ago holds historical significance to the Asante kingdom and served medicinal purposes for residents living close to the sacred tree. Emmanuel Brightquiko has more. Known as the Okonfo Anoche Besin, the Feyasi Kola tree is believed to have been felled in the middle of the night by unknown perpetrators. The tree now lies lifeless with its stump seated deeply in the middle of the Kumasi Atonsu Lake Bosomchi Road. For years, this special tree, which produced unique black and white nuts, was not only walled to prevent intruders, but protected by residents of Feyase Akoyem, a historic Ashanti community in the Bosomche district. Chiame Frempong is the linguist for Feyase Akoyem Traditional Council. <laughs> When we woke up today, we realized the tree has been felled. 
We believe the person used a machete to cut it down around 3 a.m. The tree is between the palace and the local community school. Planted 300 years ago, the kola nut is believed to have grown after the revered chief priest Okonfanoche spat on the ground while cheering kola when traveling through the community. Traditional authorities and the police have joined forces in search of the illegal loggers whose action they say could spell doom for a Santa man. Chairman Frempong again. The local chief can only decide what will be done now that the tree has been cut, whether to replant it or leave it. But I know very well that the felled tree would have dire consequences on the perpetrator and even their family. Meanwhile, traditional rites are being performed for pacification. For Joy News, my name is Emmanuel Brightskweku. Search continues, and that's how we wrap up today's edition of News Night. Tomorrow, we bring you Ghana Connect. But up next, GJA Journalist of the Year, Erastus Asari Donko. The man has arrived. You'll be hosted by Lexus Bill. By Lexus Bill. Profile. Uh, you know, part of the conversation I'm looking forward to hearing is uh, how long he stayed in the forest mm-hmm. to bring us this story. People don't know that backstory. And the office that we're giving him. Yeah, he's going to gonna reveal all that. You mm-hmm. know, on that personal profile. Hello, Lexus. Hello, Evans. 